Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild. I'm a powerlifter, Allen Games athlete. Yeah, all the above. I also run USSF and just train many people. So. Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I teach for Globe University. I uh, run my own business, Extreme Human Performance, and do some coach coaching stuff on the side, do some stuff for Eat to Perform, Director of Education for the Mindset Performance Institute. Awesome. All right, uh, we've got mail. Uh, we've got some goings on uh, in like Iron Radio specific news. And then we've got a topic as usual. So let's get into some of this. Um, let me start with the Iron Radio specific news, I suppose. Uh, my hope would be that uh, at the end of October, we would do sort of a listener appreciation show. So I had tweeted about this, and I'm not sure I mentioned this enough on, on air, actually. But um, if you can get on the Iron Radio listeners page, uh, we're looking for tips, best practices, or just observations that you've had when you travel to something strength or muscle mass related. So you could be a fan, you could be a competitor. It'd be great to get insights from anything like that. I mean, it could be the Arnold Classic. It could be you went to the Mr. Olympia or a power meet, anything like that. So tips, best practices. What are your observations about how you've experienced it? What are your tips if somebody is planning to go to one of these types of events? So if you can make some of those comments on our Facebook page, uh, We'll talk about them on air. You know, we'll offer your advice. So we'll, if there's too, too many, we'll pick some of the best. But in any case, we'll pick some of the best and we'll send you some swag. So it will behoove you to um, get in on this. So listener appreciation, again, tips, best practices for when you travel uh, for subculture-related type events. Uh, secondly, I wanted to thank some of the people that are um, – Stepping up with uh, our little fall funds drive, so I'll just use your first names, Neil, Shannon, Joe, uh, cool swag coming to you. Try to be patient, uh, but you will see it. I appreciate that. Uh, I have one bit of news, but I think I'm going to sit on it till next week. It's questioning how safe our ground beef is. So mm. Mm, we'll get to that one. I, I hate to be a teaser like that, but we got mail before our topic. All right, here we go. This first one is from uh, Hamid. He says, Hi, I just finished listening to the most recent episode where Mike mentions Dr. Rhonda Patrick and her work with saunas. Apparently, beyond just those that have experienced trauma uh, and her research with mice, uh, she wrote an article about the benefits of sauna and use and some of the benefits directly, how they affect strength athletes. Uh, the link is below. Uh, I love her website and podcast. I think she'd make a great guest on Iron Radio. And then he says, as an aside, I was doing daily sauna sessions, 15 minutes in, five minutes out, for about an hour a day the week before my first meet back in September. Uh, 
the day of the meet was particularly hot and the location uh, you know, was hot and there was no AC uh, and lifters were complaining about the heat affecting their lifts. I, on the other hand, though sweating like an animal, was extremely comfortable in the heat. I ended up <laughs> placing second in my weight class with a 1280 total. Uh, nice. Thanks, and I look forward to the next episode. So, uh, Mike, how familiar are you with Dr. Rhonda Patrick? Yeah, I know her and her, her husband, Dan. They're both super cool people. Spent some time with them in California and in Austin. So, yeah, I can try and drop her a note. I know that she was actually speaking over in Italy recently, so I think they just got back. So, um, yeah, she'd be a great guest. She's uh, very informed, and I always like to hear the my bias is the hardcore scientists talk about science, and she's you know, done a lot of research and has a, a good science background too. So yeah, so definitely she, check into it. Is she an environmental physiologist or? Uh... She's actually um, biomedical, actually. Okay. But she's done more stuff on the the kind of physiology side. So yeah, it's one of those things. It's you know, sauna has been around forever, and yeah, I like to get updated on what's what kind of evidence is there. You know, as opposed to just there's so many opinions about that sort of thing. Yeah, and she's got a lot of um, good info on that, too. I think the main article that came out is probably a year and a half ago now is on Tim Ferriss' site about uh, the use of saunas, and it's actually a really good article. Okay. Uh, our next one is uh, from a listener, GS, and he's got a critique of something we covered a couple of weeks ago. He says, geez, Lonnie, the latest episode email from Hugh from the UK, that was an epic failure. First of all, we know that you shouldn't take seriously anything in the mainstream media organizations, what they put out. Uh, I don't get my health or financial or world affairs info from mainstream, and anyone with an IQ warmer than a dishwater uh, should not either. Uh, but that aside, Hugh writes, us to, writes in to tell us that the Daily Mail is garbage as a news source, um, partly because the Huffington Post said so. That's like saying the Republican Party is comprised of a bunch of ass clowns because the Democrats said so. Um, the listener is obviously a, a full-on retard, this guy says. And you know what? I do not want to start flame wars between our listeners. So I will tell you how we responded. But um, there's a few dishwater uh, comments and insults in here. But it says, uh, what's more depressing is that you gave him legitimacy. In the future, we should do a better job at screening emails to keep the show apolitical and keep listeners like that sequestered. So the best thing I could say was, you know, thanks for the input. Um, regardless of Hugh's email the other week, I had several beefs with that vegan article, and I think the rest of us actually did too. Mm -hmm. So when we mention uh, news, we do not present it as fact. Uh, and I think all the listeners involved know this. Uh, if there's something in the news, we simply say this is news. Uh, even when we mention recent studies, we strive to put forward, hey, caution, look for a consensus in the peer-reviewed literature, that sort of stuff. So we have never presented anything from Huffington Post or Daily Mail or anything else as hardcore fact. I think if you go back and listen to what we said, you'll notice that we pointed out that the Huffington Post was poking at fellow journalists, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, but again, the article was opinionated. I think it was cherry-picked information. And so when uh, the listener wrote in and said, hey, I'm from the U.K., and a lot of us think the news source is poor, uh, that's why, of course, we gave him some credibility. I'm not from the U.K. But again, just because we appreciate the comment of a listener, 
I mean, it, I, personally, I think it's foolish just to construe then that we believe everything in the media. That's, I mean, we're educated guys, we're, and, and we're old and curmudgeon so we don't do that, uh, just to make that clear. So news is news, and we state it as such. So I do appreciate the input, though. I mean, it's a varied view, and I invited this listener that if he uh, had something good to say about the Daily Mail or that sort of thing, something constructive, then let us know. So that one was that one. It was about policing some of our listeners. Um, the last one is from, let's see, John. He says, uh, hi, guys, just made a $50 donation to Iron Radio. Thanks, ma'am. What advice for supplements to fight sarcopenia do you have that are non-HGH? Uh, I take fish oil and protein powder after lifting. And then he says, for instance, resveratrol, L-glutamine, holy basil are some of the supplements that I've looked at. I'm a 52-year-old male who has lifted, um, I think, since his teens, uh, six years in the USMC. And after that, uh, let's see, just started increasing attention to strength training again in a more serious manner. I'd like to die at age 95, facing the enemy like a good samurai, etc. So I like that already. <laughs> uh, I definitely have some thoughts, but um, Phil, let's start with you. Do you, guys, do you actually have guys lifting, uh, seriously competing in their 50s or beyond? Or do you- Yeah, I always have. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty of them. I mean, the number one thing with them, in my opinion, is just you have to pay, pay, pay closer attention to rest, recovery, um, and diet, you know, than you do a 20-year-old. Yeah. You know, some of my 20-year-olds, we can run them through the ringer. And, you know, some of my, my older lifters, 50-plus, we can run them through the ringer, but then we got to, you know, rest them as hard you know, yeah. or, or harder. So, I mean, we can train as hard, just not as often and things like that. And just you just have to be more cognizant of, uh, of what you got going on. Yeah. Um, but as far as like magic supplements, no, I mean, I think keeping up with everybody else, I mean, keeping up with your fish oils and just a solid diet and this and that, you can't get away with as many, you know, nights just cramming down pancakes and ice cream you know, as you can when you're, when you're 20 something and it just magically turns into muscle. So, yeah, you know what, uh, this, my gears got turning in, uh, Dr. Nelson, you can certainly chime in here, uh, one, I would say, you know, cook with spices. I'm constantly, I mean, for the last 20 years, you always hear this spice does that or that spice mm-hmm. does that. Uh, cooking with fresh spices is great for longevity and recovery, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, there are, there's the obvious things that jump to the surface like curry powder or turmeric, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But cinnamon, helping with blood sugar control potentially. I mean, mm-hmm. the evidence is a little iffy on that one, but... Always antioxidant, you know, anti-glycating, anti-aging. I mean, you can't truly reverse aging, of course, but slowing some of those biomarkers. So I'd say spices. He mentioned protein. Uh, I'd say you're in your 50s now, and I'm I'm approaching you quickly here, John. But 20 grams of protein probably not going to cut it for you. Uh, I would think 30 to 40, probably 40, depending yeah. on the protein source. You're just going to need some more. Uh, you did not mention creatine. Uh, I think that could be a great one for mm-hmm. sarcopenia, keeping muscles hydrated, uh, energized, recovering, protein synthetic, all that kind of stuff. I have been taking, and I just had a birthday, so this is uh, fresh in my mind, but melatonin to help me sleep at night. I think one of the things we got to think about as we age is really try to strive for that eight or even nine hours of sleep. But as we get older, sleep quality tends to degrade a little. 
Uh, and I've heard that older people need less sleep, but uh, I've also seen some cool research that melatonin may help with that GH surge after sleep. I mean, at, once you're in your, even in your 30s or beyond, you start losing that GH surge during exercise, like Phil's talking about those 20-year-olds being invincible. And so we rely more on that growth, natural growth hormone surge about 90 minutes into sleep. And I think melatonin might actually help with that and help you sleep. So those are some things that I would suggest. I don't know what you've got, Mike, but. Yeah, I would agree, <clears throat> I would agree with most of those. I mean, obviously lifting stuff is going to be the number one, which it sounds like he's already doing. Uh, I agree with the protein. I think it was a study from Tang from uh, Stu Phillips' lab that compared yes. uh, 20 grams of whey to 40 grams of whey in younger people and older people. I think in older people, if I remember right, the average age was 70. And in short, what they found was that they needed about twice the amounts, about 40 grams in the older people to get the same exactly. sort of acute response uh, from it due to probably the anabolic resistance as we age. Um, so I agree with the more protein. You could get fancy and, you know, play around with more leucine or things of that nature. You don't need to go bonkers. Um, the only other thing that's a little bit out there that there really isn't any data in older subjects yet, and there's not a ton of data in younger subjects, is uh, phosphatidic acid, or PA. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, there's some interesting studies uh, showing that that does seem to help a little bit with uh, muscle hypertrophy in humans. Granted, there's only like a handful, I think two or three studies now. I think Darren Willoughby has one coming out this year. Um, and granted, those have only been done in younger people, but, you know, for a smaller, you know, single-digit percentage that, you know, may be worth looking into also. Yeah, and good point about... A lot of these things would be icing on your cake. Yeah. It, it, compared to the the sleeping, the lifting, eating. Yep. You know, um, that's why I think the some of that work from Phillips Lab is great because he's looking at guys that are a little bit older. And you're right. Let's be honest. Fifty two is not old, John. No. Uh, <laughs> they, they say we, we define old as fifteen years older than ourselves. You know. And so I see John as a mid career guy. <laughs> Yeah. I, a little higher mileage, but there's some benefits to that too. Like Phil said, you know, you don't, you don't have to um, necessarily baby these guys. You just got to let them rubber. Uh, and I do agree on the whole creatine thing. I mean, I think yeah. I push creatine more with my older people than I do my younger people, um, especially with all the, the info coming out with it. You know, with cognitive function and everything else yeah. in creatine. Yeah. You know, not so, Tarnopolsky no. talked about that at ISSN almost two years ago now, a year and a half ago now. So yeah, yeah. lots of neural benefits. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Um, I actually had a guy come speak in my strength conditioning class last year, and he said something. This John, this I'll leave you with this. It'll make you feel good. He looked at my students, and this guy's you know this is an academic classroom, and you know it's like forty five students in there or something, and. He's being very specific, and he's talking about exercise phys and this and that, and he's talking about strength and muscle, you know, motor unit recruitment, all this stuff. And then he, he starts talking about a little bit older guys, and then he pauses and he turns around and he looks at everybody and he says, "Make no mistake, those middle aged guys will kick your ass." Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> and he's talking about how strong, you know, but of course the risk would be that you could be strong to the point that you could hurt your joints. So you just got to be careful. Depends how you're built, I guess, but. Um, yeah, so 52, not old. There's some tips for you. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to go to a break, I think. What I would, would like to do is come back and talk about bulking without getting too fat. Uh, recently, uh, my wife and I were uh, making Guinness meat pies, and I was tweeting about this and everything, and I had some funny responses online, but it made me think about this, you know. So 
how do you I mean, it falls upon us. You know, there's a lot of great opportunities to pack in the calories. So we'll talk about how to do this without just adding a spare tire around your gut. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook. And there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Every week, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in... per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it.
Okay, everybody, we are back. Uh, it's Dr. Nelson, it's Lonnie and Phil, and we're going to talk about basically bulking without getting too fat or how to optimize uh, your bulking. Um, before I turn this over to the, the crew here, um, hmm. I think, number one, nobody's going to bulk with straight-up muscle mass. You know, So I don't know what percentage you guys think, but holy cow, um, I'm thinking like a 70 to 30 muscle to fat gain is a real home run, you know, and oh, if yeah. you're not enhanced, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't expect to, you know, to, to listen or, to, I mean, God, you read, you know, muscle and fitness or something like that, and I think half the time you'd think you can add just muscle mass, and yeah. unless you're a rank beginner, doubtful, <laughs> mm-hmm. doubtful. Um, I don't know. I suppose there are some lifters, if you're more performance-oriented, uh, might even be willing to go for a 60-40 gain, mm-hmm. you know, or, or even 50-50. Uh, yeah. I tend to shy away from the 50-50 thing too much because, I mean, if you gain 50% lean, 50% fat, and then in your dieting phase you lose exact amount, you know, equal amounts of each, mm-hmm. you're you're no further ahead. Your body. Yeah, it, it also depends on how how advanced this person is. You know, if you're if you're reaching your genetic threshold, I mean, 50-50 might be a hell of a trade-off, <laughs> you know, especially for a strength athlete. Right, yeah. yeah. So, well, right. Or your weight class. I mean, if you're yeah. uh, near the bottom of your weight class, 50-50 gain, you know, you, you put on 15 mm-hmm. pounds or something, and there's 7.5 pounds of each, that's probably yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's the genetics thing, too. I think people, mm-hmm. some people bulk or diet, um very effectively, you know, adding the body compartment they want, and some people don't do that as well, you know. So, I mean, I guess there's the obvious observations, like if it's all going around your belly as a spare tire, none you see no thickness across your <laughs> chest or yeah. no strength coming, you're doing something wrong, I'd stop, yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so my here's some questions for you guys. Um, how would you lift – I mean, if you want to optimize the muscle mass in the off-season, Phil, I know you've talked about how bodybuilders and powerlifters are, are not that different at certain times of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you sort of set up somebody to maximize hypertrophy? Well, at my place, this happens, seems to happen just automatically due to the seasons. You know, I live in a seasonal climate, so mm-hmm. in the summer it's really nice outside and people are out doing stuff. And, like, on Saturdays, for instance, my gym is, like, very much slower in the summer than it is during the winter. And then come wintertime, people don't have anything better to do. So they're in the gym more training more. (laughs) So, you know, volume goes up, overall volume. And, you know, so we're just getting more work in in the winter because they they don't have softball games to go to. They don't have the lake to go to. They don't have this and that. So, I mean, a a drastic increase in resistance training volume. Um, And along with that, you know, the holiday eating seems to just pack it on. So right on. Yeah. You know, there's something magical about eating more and training more that instantly just adds muscle. So yeah, I mean you might use that holiday season to um, just train harder. Yeah, and, hard, and more often. You know, heart you know. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, you got nothing better to do. It's like negative four outside. I might as well go lift some weights. <laughs> so you know, it's either sit on the couch and watch the the latest reruns or or go train. Right. So now, have you ever gotten to a situation where somebody was they were uncomfortable because too much of it was coming on to them as body fat. I mean, um, oh yeah. I mean, like, hell, we'll, we'll make especially with my ladies. 
I mean, we'll make what what I see as great progress, and they're like, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting fluffy. No, you look human. <laughs> You're not ready to step on stage. Right. You know? Nobody's asking so, you to do that. Right. Yeah, and it's but yeah, I mean, oh yeah, you have to deal with that all the time. And then I mean, my clientele is so varied that I have people that it's like, dude, you need to eat a sandwich. And other people that is like, dude, you need to eat seven less sandwiches. So it just, it just depends. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. so, um, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we're talking about harvest time, calories, all this stuff. I mean, if you look at estimates, it's somewhere around like 2,800 or 3,000 calories to knit together a new pound of muscle. And we've talked about this on the show before. So the mistake I see a lot of people make is they try to bulk too cleanly. Uh, they think about the building blocks, the amino acids, the proteins, but they don't think about the calorie surplus, right? So, I mean, if we take that 2,800-calorie surplus, and that's surplus, that's an extra 400 calories a day over the course of a week. But we've talked about this before. If you obsess over the math too much, you know, plus or minus a couple of dozen calories, that's ridiculous. You know, you're just going to overanalyze, and you're, you're never going to really get anywhere, you know. So I was always a fan of the, the typical dietitian tricks for weight gain, whether it's with patients or, uh, or athletes. I mean, there's lots of really heavy calorie sources that are also incredibly healthy. Yeah. And, you know, olive oil, olives, avocados, mixed nuts, uh, full-fat granola, dried fruit. And a lot of this stuff you could put in your car as a car snack mm. or in your gym bag, you know, so you're just you're snacking on stuff. I mean, think about dried fruit. They get all the fluid out of there, and it's just concentrated nutrients, you know, I think to keep the bulk from becoming just a lipogenic parade, you know, there's a parade <laughs> and just adding nothing but fat. Would, I would be careful with probably sugars, except for the post-workout period. You know, I'm not a huge fan of, I mean, I, I wouldn't avoid sugars at all costs necessarily, but I think a cleaner bulk, in my opinion, and again, that's a, such a loaded word, clean, but would be that, you know, try to stick to the starches, you know, healthy fats and your proteins and that kind of stuff, and not just the refined uh, sugar, super junk foods. And again, if you're worried about making that bulk as optimal, you know, as yeah. possible. For me, I mean, a lot of it boils down to just, it's getting cold outside. And what I do is, like, the last thing I want in the summer is like a hot bowl of chili. But right now it's like, oh man, it's that time of year. So it's, yeah. it's stews and chilies and stuff like that that I'm starting to make. Yeah, heavy calories. And yeah, it's heavy calories, but you can load it with good stuff. You know? Right. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, not empty yeah. calories, but just right. Jeez, always. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, like my wife makes really good quiche. Like I said, meat pies, chili. That's a great one. Stew and chili. I mean, a meat mm -hmm. pie is really just beef stew dumped in a pie crust. You can do that. Mm -hmm. I, I actually made a meat pie this past week, I'm not kidding, in seven minutes. <laughs> we have a little nice. toaster oven. I dumped dinty more beef stew into it with some extra just beef chunks from, you know, can. Uh, I know this is not the healthiest way to do it, and people will be like, oh, my God, I can't believe Lowry's doing this. But And I, I took a second pie crust and put it over the top, and boom, you know, a little convection yeah. toaster oven. And I, I'm not kidding, um, meat pie in under 10 minutes. Um, um, now, should I put in that as much? Probably not. That's not going to be the absolute cleanest way to do it, but it's not the same thing as eating cookie dough and washing it down with fruit punch, mm -hmm. you know. So another good option is um, we buy like a half or a quarter cow. Well, mm -hmm. actually, now we're up to almost three quarters of a cow, but nice. um, from different local farmers. And you know, when you do that, you get all the components. 
Um, so we're big fans of just even getting the roast, like the arm roast and different things like that. Super easy. You just unwrap it, wash it off, and literally just put it in a crock pot and let it sit overnight. Um, yep. you, don't, yeah. you can get fancy and put vegetables and do other stuff on it like that, too. But um, super easy. I mean, super high protein. Usually, depending upon the roast and that type of thing, you can add a little bit more fat to it. Um, we got fancy once and had some leftover bacon fat, so we added that to it. And, uh, it was really good. <laughs> I know you don't shy away from the saturated fats, right? I mean, there's a lot of misinformation no, putting around. Yeah. I mean, you're like heavy whipping cream guy, aren't you? Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's funny to hear you say that, Mike, because I mean, you were you didn't even eat red meat for years and years, and now you're, yeah, it was uh, funny for cow, three quarter of a cow. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. started eating red meat again probably four, probably three and a half, four years ago now. Um, but yeah, I didn't eat it for, oh man, probably 27, 25 years. Um, it just, for whatever reason, it didn't appeal to me at all. Like, my, my parents weren't vegetarians or anything, and, you know, we'd have steak on the holidays and stuff, and they're like, hey, don't you want some steak? Doesn't this look good? And at the time, I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> Um, now you're now you're uh, crockpotting with it, so yeah, I, uh, that's a good idea actually. Crockpot's a brilliant idea. You know, you don't have to have it's super easy. Oh yeah, there's no prep time. You just there's throw it in the freaking crockpot. Yeah, yeah. I, I stepped up my food prep game and I bought a smoker that is Ooh. is Bluetooth compatible. I can run oh. it from my phone. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, yeah, I can run it from my phone. It'll be like ding. Food's done, and it'll call my phone. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> Help you with your next meat cleanse, you know. Yeah. There you go. So. Uh, I was going to say, one other thing I've done recently, too, with myself and with some people is that if, you know, they're trying to add um, calories, and especially if we just, you know, want to or they've had to ramp up their training within a short period of time, usually I'm much bigger on the sort of, you know, slowly increase that, increase your calories, kind of what Phil was saying. Um, but I've had them do like a couple days of just super high carbohydrates, you know, like 500. I did one the other day of 550, 450. Um, but the fat would be relatively low, you know, not super low, but, you know, 40 or 50. So a little bit on the lower side. Um, and protein would even be a little bit lower. So maybe like 140, 150 grams because you know, you've got so much carbohydrates, you're not going to lose any muscle mass. Insulin everywhere. Right? You know. Yeah, insulin everywhere. You're not going to have much breakdown, that type of thing. Um, and anecdotally, it seems to help with the training performance, especially if their carbohydrates have been a little bit lower in the past. And most people aren't going to gain a ton of fat by doing it, you know, one or two days a week. Um, but I encourage people to take, you know, maybe their heaviest day or maybe they split that day into two training sessions if they can and just trying a much higher amount of, of carbohydrates and see how that goes. I've actually done that in the past too. I think that's a great idea. Um, I actually tried to do that with, um, Again, I'm I'm pretty anti-sugar, uh, to be honest. I mean, sugar yeah. it has a place, uh, and I don't mind dessert, but like in everything, it starts to piss me off, you know. But um, yeah, I was uh, had one of the guys on the, we've actually had on the show, Mike Walker. Um, he was doing it with stuff, basically clean sources of carbs, you know, lots of oats and rice and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I mean, I think insulin is is such a you have to be careful not to say anabolic or necessarily anti-catabolic hormone, but let's just say muscle helpful hormone. Now, it's a Jekyll and Hyde hormone, so you don't want it indiscriminately building fat either, but uh, I agree. I really like what you just said about the really high carb, like pick a day or two a week and just go nuts and because and insulin's under your control. You know, you don't necessarily have to dope that stuff, you know. 
Yeah, and like you said, if you're doing, you know, a lot of training on that day too, right, you're giving it a place to go. You've got, you know, increased upregulation of, you know, the glute floor, translocation, and all that kind of stuff too. Um, and I'm a big fan of using, like, Vitargo around uh, training, especially even before or even a little bit during, like, the super longer sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps a lot too because, you know, people forget that from just the bodybuilder standpoint that um, they use IV insulin infusions for vessel dilation. You know, so if you've got a higher amount of insulin, you know, most people, you give them 70 grams of Vitargo and tell them to go train. They're like, oh, wow, I actually got a pump. It's like, oh, yeah, you have carbohydrates. Go figure. (laughs) I have yet to try that stuff. I know, Phil, you have too. Uh, You've tried that Mm -hmm. stuff. I have not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's, yeah, that's curious for me too, because you're right. I mean, a lot of this stuff, like these vasodilator supplements, not a big fan. I just have someone eat a couple bananas and, and some, you know, 40 grams of whey protein and flood their body with, you know, a nice insulin response, and then yep. all that whey protein, all those amino acids are in your blood, and I think people get, they're pretty surprised. Hey, I got a pump. Well, like you said, well, you have carbs and fast-acting protein, and you're getting an insulin rush, and you're vasodilating with food, you know, yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you, oh, you know what? I should probably make a comment, too. I don't know if you guys have any experience with this, but I was looking at a bottle of this hunger booster stuff the other day, a supplement, <laughs> and it was bubkis. <laughs> it was. It was. Is that the main ingredient, bubkis. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> bubkis booster. That's what it was. <laughs> what was in it? Uh, it was a collection of B vitamins and some assorted, you know, minerals and vitamins. And I'm like, I, I don't even know how. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to get policed in different ways, you know, and the FDA is looking at these things. But I'm like, this is I, – I guess I'm just throwing this out there to everybody. Really beware of hunger booster supplements. I don't really mm-hmm. see a lot of stuff. I mean, I've actually talked to um, some really out-there supplement companies that were toying with, uh, you know, marijuana extracts and things like yeah, that because boy, that'll make you hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But – yeah, B vitamins aren't going to do it, so be really careful uh, with a lot of that. I wish there was a supplement that could help increase hunger because that would help so many people I know that frankly struggle with that. They're trying to gain weight, you know, and you're looking at that next baked potato and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do it, you know. And because remember, when you gain weight, of course, it's it's not about hunger. Your hunger level wants to keep you where you are, not at the bigger man stage. Um, but as far as keeping that clean, you know, you, you can't go the other route either. Like I used to argue in the hospital when I was uh, interning at the Cleveland Clinic years ago, and, you know, those weight gain supplements they give people to ill people to try to get them back, you know, boosted back up, like um, Sustacal and Ensure and Carnation Instant Breakfast. I mean, these are just combinations of corn oil and sugar. And I just kept saying, there's got to be a better way, you guys. You know, well, they're, they're not hungry. It has to taste good. Well, I think it can taste good. And be less heinous. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what about Phil? I know. I think you've done this, right? Like just outdoor walking and stuff, just to try to keep your body yeah. fat in check. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, just buy a farm, like I did. <laughs> you know, there you go. <laughs> I go out and chop wood and stuff in the winter. You know, and, and things like that. So yeah, I try to get out and stay active. Yeah, I think I think a big thing is people get just. They get too sedentary in the winter, yeah. and they're just stuck inside. And it's like the cold ain't gonna kill you. <laughs> Put on some clothes, get out there and walk. And if anything, I mean, science shows that getting outside in the cold, you're probably gonna burn more calories. Agreed. So you don't just stay warm, right? You know. So absolutely. Yeah, that was a yeah. Get out there and go sledding for goodness sakes. I mean, there's yeah. 
That was a big change I made last year is that it was cold here in Minnesota and the winter before, you know, I was finishing my degree and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't get out much at all. And, oh my gosh, I couldn't eat hardly anything and felt like I gained a ton of fat with high stress and everything else. And so the winter, I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, lift a little bit more. And then I would put all my winter clothes by the door in the, before I went to bed. So I would get up in the morning and I'd just have to wander over to the door, you know, stick all my clothes on and walk out. Because otherwise, it seemed like it It sounds crazy, but you'd be missing. Oh, it's too cold. I need a pair of pants that are insulated. Where's my hat? I can't find my gloves. Ah, screw it. I'm not going to go out. (laughs) Oh, right. Uh, You know, my wife and I are doing that. Uh, We've been doing it for the past couple of weeks, actually, because this is a we've been lucky to have a fairly dry spell. I mean, I know freezing rain will just shut you down with all this, you know. Mm -hmm. By the way, listeners, when when Mike says it was cold in Minnesota, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) He's real. I was out walking last year when it was 10 below and people are like, you're insane. (laughs) I'm like. Well, you put clothes on, you know, it's not like yeah. I'm walking out, out there stark exactly. naked. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, <laughs> if, it, if, if you don't overbundle, like, you know, a good sweatshirt, some sweatpants, a uh, winter hat or some kind of, you know, general protection, I mean, have some sense. But, yeah, if you're – if you allow the cold to actually – be co- be slightly cold on you, like Phil said. You burn more calories. I mean, people be, are, we're homeotherms, right? We hold thirty seven yeah. degrees C, so you're going to stoke your furnace to burn more calories. I mean, there's those studies. Those guys that hiked across the Great Lakes. These researchers mm-hmm. lost ridiculous amounts of weight. I mean, and they were eating like four or five thousand calories a day. So there is something to that. But again, I'm not telling anybody to go go get frostbite for God's sake. But yeah. um, <laughs> No, that's that's cool. And you know what, too? You can add to the physical activity in the gym a little, too. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just get on the bike or treadmill for a 10-minute warm-up. You know, yeah. a, again, it's just a little bit of extra calorie expenditure that might help offset that sedentaryism that's just going to slam you otherwise, you know, when you're cooped yeah. up, the days are short. You know, it gets dark here in Ohio at, like, 4.30 p.m. and just It's horrific. Mm-hmm. It just shuts you down. Okay, everybody, that's going to um, wind down our discussion. Uh, actually, uh, letting everyone behind the scenes, I just had a computer meltdown. Uh, pretty catastrophic, actually, so it's time for a new one. Uh, hopefully that will mean some benefits and uh, upgrades to the way we do the show with the recording and maybe some new audio and that sort of thing when the new system comes in. But that's going to be it for our uh, optimal bulking, best bulking practices, maybe, episode. And we'll catch everybody next week when I will be on the road. Uh, Phil's Strength Guild event, and there's a exercise physiology conference. So cool stuff. Uh, and we'll be coming live from the road. If there is delay, please give us 24 to 48 hours delay uh, because of the travel and the tech. But make no mistake, we have not missed a weekend in six years, and we don't plan on doing so. So we'll see everybody next time. Thanks. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. 
uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.